Hello, and welcome to Erskine Conversations. We bring the Erskine College and Theological Seminary campus to you. In each episode, we will be diving into the conversations that happen every day across Erskine's campus among students, faculty, staff, and more. Today, I invite you to listen in as we talk with Paul Bell, Vice President for Advancement and Alumni Relations. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. So, Paul, we thank you for coming in today and for uh, taking some time out of your schedule to talk about our topic, which I'm I'm really excited to talk about. I think that the the institution that the the church that we we just we really could use a good conversation on what the theology of giving looks like. Um, so, before we get into that, though, I kind of wanted to to take a, a stroll down memory lane and hear a little bit more about your Erskine story because you. Uh, we've joked before that you and another one of the guys that we're both friends with, Brent Turner, you guys together probably know every person in the ARP church. And so what what is your story, your, your Erskine story um, going back? Well, um, I came to Erskine in 1980. At that time, I was a third generation Erskineite. Wow. My grandparents had been here. My parents had been here. I'm the fifth of six children. <laughs> And my family who came here. <laughs> Did the sixth one come here too? Yes. Okay, We good. all came here. And I remember my mom at one point when I was in high school giving this sort of sigh. And she <laughs> said, Paul, you don't have to go to Erskine. We want you to, but you don't have to. And I took from that that you'd better you go to Erskine. But I, I never really seriously looked anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you study here? I was an English major okay. with a secondary education minor. Okay. I came here expecting to spend two years in transfer because I thought I wanted to be an architect. Okay. I told my scholarship interview committee that um, when I was a high school student, came for scholarship weekend. It's probably not a smart thing to tell a scholarship committee that you plan to <laughs> to to transfer. Right. Um, but I got here and I loved it mm-hmm. and realized that architecture was not my calling. <laughs> <laughs> and so I stayed here for the full four years and expected to leave here and go to some big city and and have adventure. And I ended up working here for four <laughs> years in the admissions office, left for two years to go to graduate school, came back to D.U.S. for what I thought was a three-month internship and stayed three years, <laughs> moved away again. Time? What were you doing here that time? I was working as a speech um, as a speech pathologist, oh, okay. I had gone to graduate school in communication disorders. That's awesome. And came back to this area to work, um, huh. not intending to stay. Right, of course. Then moved away and worked as a speech pathologist in the mountains of Kentucky oh, wow. because of the Appalachian mission trip. Okay. I'm I had sure taken my youth group. stories from that. Oh, yeah. I had taken my youth group to that area and fell in love with it and wanted to go back and live there. Never envisioned myself back at Due West. Came back to Due West to work at what was then Due West Retirement Center and have been in Due West ever since. So when when did you come back for the Due West Retirement Center? 1995. Wow. So you've, you've been around campus in some capacity then since 95? Yes. I'm old. Well, I meant more of like, when I, when I was here, I don't remember you being around right. campus and stuff. So you, but you have been a presence I've, almost for 20 or so years. Yeah. I've been in Due West, although not working at Erskine gotcha. that, for most of that time. Okay. So um, you did admissions, then you came back to Due West for the speech pathology. 
What what brought you back this time to actually being on campus working for Erskine? Well, um, that is another story of God's providence. Yep. Um, circumstances that I would have not chosen for myself. <laughs> yeah. I I had worked for U.S. Retirement Center, then I went and worked at our ARP Center in Greenville. It's the denominational headquarters, mm-hmm. and loved being there. Um, and it was a very, very difficult decision to leave there. I was asked to come to take over what is now the Renaissance yeah. that had been to West Retirement Center. It was under new ownership, and the owner asked me if I would come back and and run it for him. Mm. So I did, and things were pretty successful. And three years after I came back, it was sold. And the day before the deal went down, I found out I would not be conveying with the property. <laughs> So, hmm. um, that's I, a very sterile way to say that. What? That's a very sterile way to say yeah. that. <laughs> um, so I found myself out of work. Mm-hmm. I had never thought I would go home and tell my family Man. I don't have a job, but I did have Been to say there. that. Yeah, it's not a fun. It is not a fun place to be. It's not a fun place to be. Um, I found out the day before that that I had cancer, and then twenty four hours later. Found out I no longer had a job, but underneath all that was this deep abiding sense of peace with Mm. God saying, I have this. And about two weeks later, I was eating in the Erskine dining hall on family night and Dr. Gustafson came up to me and he said, I don't know that I have anything on campus that you would be interested in, but I'd like to just sit down and talk with you and find out what your gifts are. Wow. So we went to lunch. And conversation started, and one thing led to another, and a position opened up here. And in alumni relations, I took that position, and then the office um, kind of had a reshuffling, and I took the advancement and alumni position. So I just see God's hand in it all the way. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, So thank you for that kind of overview for those who are listening who who didn't know your background, didn't know kind of why you were almost like the perfect fit for the job you're in now. I just wanted you to get to kind of talk about that because it's, it's really encouraging getting to see what God does in, in difficult times um, and taking care of his people in ways that not necessarily taking you out of that struggle, mm-hmm. but in leading you through it and getting you to the next thing. Um, and so for our topic that I'd, I'd reached out to you and I said, I'd love to have you on the, the conversation podcast was, like I mentioned earlier when we first opened up was this concept of a theology of giving that that giving is more than the way that many, at least Americans think of it. Uh, this concept of giving of financial things, but more of the God calls us to give of, of ourselves. God calls us to give of our times and our talents. And so I thought who better to give an encouraging word and to think about that and sort of wrestle through a conversation on on this concept of a theology of giving than Paul Bell. So um, as you look at scripture, how do you see giving portrayed? Well, the ultimate giving is God himself. Mm, yes. Giving himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit living in us. And so um, 
I think about the verse in Psalm 116, verse 12, that says, What shall I return to the Lord for all his benefits to me? Mm-hmm. And the church I grew up in and the church I attend now, we sing that psalm on communion Sundays. Okay. And so, you know, when you when you sing that and when you ponder that that verse itself, I'm not the rest of the psalm is is beautiful as well, but that one verse always gets me because what can I give back? And I can't. I can't repay yeah. what he's done. But I do have a responsibility. I do have an obligation. I do have a sense of wanting yeah. to give back, to express gratitude. And so I think if you're talking about a theology of giving, it has to start there. Um, I know that's lofty. I know that's <laughs> theological. Um, but but it's, I, it's pure. It's but true. it's pure. And there, that's what giving is. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where we have to start. I also look at the verse in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, that says, what do you have that you haven't already been given? Oh, man. And that one always convicts me when I, you know, I know we're not talking just about money at this point, but that one. I think convicts us when we we say it's mine. Yeah. I want to hold on to it, and the Lord says, "But no, it's not really yours." Yeah, I gave it to you. I maybe gave it to you through other people mm-hmm. and through other circumstances, but I gave it to you now. Use it mm-hmm. for somebody else. Yeah, and that, that applies mm-hmm. to the gifts He gives us generally. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we look at especially the world right now and the the fear and the panic that has seemed to have gripped a lot of people. We remember the strength that he gives us. Mm-hmm. We remember the mercies that he gives us. And we remember that in those difficult times, in um, times where we feel like we need to retreat, that we need to circle the wagons, that we need to push away the other, um, is those times that God calls us to give of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reminded of. Um, I believe it's in first John where it says, you know, greater loves is there than no greater love is there than this. And the man should lay down his life for his friends. Um, I think we, we say verses like that and we think of that stuff so common or so frequently, we don't think about what the words say, you know, to lay down your life for your friends mm-hmm. is a powerful thing to tell someone. Um, and to say it without any, snark it's not it wasn't like he was saying it to be hyperbolic john through the prodding of the spirit was telling us that there there really is no greater love of giving than to give yourself for others Mm -hmm. in the same way that christ laid down his life um so yeah i mean when we're given something it's a gift it's a responsibility to then take it and to give it back in some capacity Mm-hmm. So I, I totally get that. Exactly. Um, so I think that, you know, as we move through our lives day to day, we have to keep in mind that everything we have, we've been given. Um, in James, it says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Mm-hmm. So be that our jobs, our homes, our families, our health, our bank accounts, a sunny day, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
azalea blossoms. <laughs> um, cicada noise outside. Cicada noises <laughs> in the summertime. All of that comes from a loving father. Mm. And he didn't have to give it to us. He doesn't have to allow us to enjoy it, but he right. does. And so I think we have an obligation to enjoy it and we have an obligation to share it with mm. others. It, I like that you said we have an obligation to enjoy it. Um, I feel that so often we we feel almost guilty for um, enjoying something mm-hmm. that that we have to um, we have to to be uncomfortable with it. Like, no, I, uh, I I can't I can't enjoy myself because enjoying myself means that I'm finding pleasure in it, which means am I really sacrificing anything? But at the same time, n- no. Like we, God doesn't want us to just be stoic, like bland faced, almost pessimistic people um he gives us these things out of joy he gives us these things because he loves us um and even when those things are difficult things i mean you and i are both parents you're much you you're you a parent for much longer so you, you see a lot more of the um the story than i do even but sometimes when you're a parent you give hard thoughts you give the things that they don't want to hear because you know that it's beneficial um, right. And that's not easy. And I can only imagine what it is for the father, the God, the father to look down at all of humanity and to see what he sees and still to give good gifts, but also to give times of, of struggle, knowing right. that those times of struggle are leading something different. Um, so as you, you take this concept of giving and you sort of focus it in on giving uh, of your times and your talents, well, not to Erskine, how, how does that, how do you, how do you see that reflecting in, in your role and just in, in, in Erskine generally? Well, um, there again, I go back to my experience as a student. We were taught when I was a student at Erskine, you're here because someone else made it possible for you to be here. Hmm. Now, that sounds a little odd to somebody who has come and paid full tuition <laughs> um, yeah. and who maybe has loans to to be repaid. Mm-hmm. but really this place exists because somebody gave. Yeah. Um, somebody had a vision, somebody had money, somebody put together bricks, somebody built <laughs> buildings. <laughs> um, you know, there have been people far, um, far beyond us in time who gave and gave and gave mm-hmm. to make this place what it is. And so when I was a student, um, the faculty and administration kept that in front of us mm-hmm. that you you are benefiting from someone else's work and so when you leave here you should should pay it back or pay it forward yeah, whichever so you want to say so i think that um that was that really was uh, very evident to me mm-hmm. as a student um, my parents had six children my father was a minister my mother did not work outside the home so financial aid was a big deal for us and mm-hmm. scholarships and there was someone I still to this day do not know who a couple of times gave, made an anonymous contribution toward my tuition. Huh. And the financial aid office would call <laughs> me in and say, you need to write a thank you note. Can't tell you who, but somebody has made a contribution. That's crazy. Towards your expenses at Erskine. And um, I think, you know, that that's kind of thing still goes on all the time. Wow. 
And so I realized that because somebody was so generous to me, I need to, to um, or I, I have a desire mm -hmm. to make they an Erskine education yeah. possible for other people. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying I give anonymously, but I give to Erskine right. primarily so someone else can have the same sort of blessing that I did. Mm -hmm. um, last year, I looked at how much was given through the annual fund divided that by the number of students we had in the undergraduate program and what it actually had done the annual fund actually provided the same thing as a three thousand dollar scholarship for every student here huh. so even if they were taking out loans or if their parents were paying their full fees every student here was basically playing paying three thousand dollars less mm -hmm. than they would have had to if people hadn't given a thing gotcha and these are people who don't know these students yeah most of them will never meet in this life, mm -hmm. but they're giving simply because they want to pass on the blessing. Right. Now, I think something that I, I've learned since being here that has been really encouraging is that we've got alumnus uh, alumni that want to give of what they've learned. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't think of the name. But there, was, there was a doctor who came by this past yeah. semester, a year. Neil Powell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That he, mm -hmm. he came and he gave of, you know, he learned at Erskine and he went on to continue uh, his his education and he's a doctor and he came back to talk with students about give, giving mm -hmm. back of his his knowledge and giving back of his uh, his talent. Yeah. Um, and you and I both are alumni who give back of our time working here. Um, that sometimes above and beyond any sort of financial giving is that that the fact that someone wants to give into someone else's life, mm -hmm. whether that be coming and supporting them on alumni day or homecoming or, you know, coming to concerts, coming to, to games, um, investing in their lives by taking them. I mean, some, this is one of the things that I think is just the smallest things can help people out. Like taking out to lunch, um, putting something in their CPO box, uh, giving back in a way that like for you, it encourages them to, to, to sow now for the future mm -hmm. um, that we all are standing on the shoulders of giants. Right. Um, now, how can we in turn seek to help those who come after us? Um, and I mean, that's, that is to an extent what the Bible is telling us and to do is that, you know, Christ came, he humiliated himself to come in the form of man. He uh, ministered to, to, all rungs of people in, in ancient ancient Near Eastern society, and he died and he was raised so that we would go out and, and, and find those and tell them the the glorious gospel of of this man, God man who came and did this for us. Um and giving takes on a whole new light. It's not just altruistic, it's not just um obedience to a faceless philosophy it's giving is reflective of god um right and that's it's a pretty cool thing it's very cool <laughs> <laughs> um so what would be one one just piece of advice or encouragement you can give to those who are listening um in in this theology of giving when you're thinking of of giving generally looking at the theology of giving what's a piece of advice or encouragement you can give to someone I think that 
that that piece of advice would be that we've all been given something mm. true to serve the Lord with. Mm-hmm. I might not have the talents that you have or that Ian, who's recording this, has. Um, <laughs> Ian's an artist. It's true. And sometimes I'm envious of his skills <laughs> as an artist. Um, I look at other people sometimes and go, wow, I don't, I don't have that talent. I don't have that ability. Mm-hmm. But I do have what God has given me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, none of us has an excuse not to give mm-hmm. because the Lord has contributed to us what he wants us to have to be a blessing to others. He talked about blessing Abraham so that Abraham would be a blessing. Sure. Um, the, the five loaves and two fish. You know, sometimes I come to the Lord and go, I got maybe <laughs> two loaves and a fish. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> have, feel like I have a whole lot. Right. <laughs> but take it. Right. And so whether the Lord has given us wealth in a bank account, wealth of experience, or what we see is very little, mm. we're still his. Yeah. And he has has blessed each person given gifts as he sees fit. Mm-hmm. And so there is a way to give back to him through serving others. Yeah. Um, it might be a word of encouragement. You'll never know how much that helps people. Yeah. Encouragement and words, man. Yeah. It might be um an act of service. There's a man on this campus who um, works very quietly in the background. I don't you, we don't notice his work very often because he makes our lives so easy. But recently we had an event, a very large event that our office sponsored. And when we came in the next day to clean up, it was already done. Oh my gosh. He didn't have to do it. But all we had to do, the people we rented equipment from were there to pick their things up. And we thought we'd have to go in and clean this room up right. and help them pack up. The tables were folded. The chairs were folded. The floor was vacuumed. It took about 10 minutes for the rental people to pick up their things. Wow. And nobody asked this man to do it. He just did it. That, that puts me to shame. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing puts me to shame. But man. that's just... The way he is. Yeah. It's the gift that he was given. So he turns it around to give when he can. Yeah. Um, That's, like I said, I think that this is, this is a great time for us as Christians to really reflect on what scripture tells us about giving. Um, I am not 100% sure when this particular conversation will go out, but I feel pretty confident that it'll be going out sometime while we are still faced with this um, unusual. Um, epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. And I think that as Christians, we need to remember what our forefathers, our forebears have done, not told us, but have shown us Mm -hmm. um, that giving can be joyous, but giving can also be painful. Giving can also be um, uncomfortable. Uh, The three things that I think of Historically, when I look at uh, times of, of worry, are um, early Roman, I think when the bubonic plague came through Rome, um, as all of the Roman citizens and government were fleeing, Christians were running back into the city to care for those dying, understanding that they were dying and not 
they were hoping to save anyone's body, but hoping to save their soul. Um, understanding that going back may be their own death, but that was their, their calling was higher than this, this world. Um, same thing. Uh, if I remember correctly, I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel that that was the story for the lepers in India too. The Christians were the first ones to actually go down to that lowest caste and care for those people um, and actually give them physical touch that, you know, we're here to help you and to care for you. Um, and it's the same thing that we learned, uh, especially recently, because these articles have come out, like that's what, what Luther not so much commanded, but encouraged pastors in the, the German um, time of the plague of, we know, I understand that if you feel like you have family or, or, or need to leave, go. But if you're able to, please stay and minister to those who need the gospel, um, who are scared, who are um, sick or not sick, but they're, they're caring for someone that we as Christians have a divine calling and a um, a need to preach the gospel when things are difficult and to give back and to give time and to give effort and to give um, how they can when, when things are scary. Um, and I feel that uh, we as just a church should, would be good to remember that, that God gave to us, God, God gave us the faith to, to come to him. God gives us blessings, especially in America, that we don't even understand sometimes. Um, and in the same breath, we then need to go and to give to others. And I like that you said encouraging words because I feel like, man, encouraging words can go so far uh, that you you may not even realize what that that word of affirmation you gave to somebody or um, a thank you or something along those lines can completely shift around somebody's day. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of us, that is one of the the best ways to get to, to encourage us is to give a word of affirmation. Um, but yeah, any, any kind of last thoughts or anything when it comes to this? Um, I guess it's just that, you know, going back to the, the premise we started with mm-hmm. that we're never going to be able to outgive God <laughs> and, yeah, sometimes giving is painful. Um, David one time said in the Old Testament, I I will not give to God so, that which costs me nothing. Mm, man. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it is painful, but there's so much joy in it. And I, when I say that, I don't want to try to give the impression that I'm some great giver. I'm not. Um, I'm not nearly where I ought to be. I think about a man I knew when I was growing up who was not a believer most of his life. He was an alcoholic Mm. and an abusive father. When he came to know Christ, there was just an immediate and dramatic change in his life. And he was a farmer, and that is a difficult life. Mm. Um, Difficult to make a good living anymore on that. But he told my dad one time, he said, I'm trying to outgive God and I can't. (laughs) And that was from a financial standpoint, but it applied to other parts of his life. The, the, um, just the kind of person he became Mm -hmm. after that was a life lived in gratitude. Mm. And I think that's, that's the thing when we know 
when we know where we've been and what we've been saved from and what we've been saved to, then I think it makes it much easier to give. Um, whether it's money, whether it's that sense of encouragement, whether it's cleaning up for your coworkers when you don't have to. Um, just I, For me, I think giving flows out of a sense of gratitude. And if it doesn't, then I, then I, you know, if it's just duty and a chore, then I need to readjust my thinking and go back to that verse in Psalm 116, you know, Lord, how can I repay you for what you've done for me? Amen. Oh, man. I appreciate you coming in today and, and giving your thoughts and allowing us to kind of talk through this because I think it's an important thing for us to remember um, in times like these and just generally that. Giving is something that, uh, like you said, we we should do um, with joy, not necessarily with always with happiness. It's different than joy, um, mm-hmm. but understanding that we give joyfully because God has given us so much. Um, so thank you again, Paul, for coming in. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Erskine Conversations. If you enjoyed today's chat, please be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Tune in each week to hear more from the Erskine campus. Erskine is the higher education institution of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. To learn more about Erskine, please check us out at erskine.edu. We would love to hear from you. Find us on social media by searching Erskine College or emailing us at conversations at erskine.edu. Thanks again and have a blessed day.